Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me. And they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable Radio. I happen to know that all of you are unstoppable, so no worries there. But today, I have a very special unstoppable guest. Her name is Dr. Carly Snyder, and she is one of a very select group of doctors who specializes in comprehensive reproductive psychiatry, women's peri-emotional struggles, and women's mental health services. Her approach combines traditional psychiatric treatment along with integrative medicine-based treatments to optimize the body and mind. Dr. Snyder also writes a health and wellness blog for the Huffington Post titled MD for Moms, and she also hosts her own radio show on BBM Global Net, also titled MD for Moms. <laughs> She's an attending physician on staff at the Department of Psychiatry at Beth Israel Medical Center. She also holds a teaching appointment at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York, and she is an assistant attending with a teaching appointment at Wheel Cornell in the Peen Whitney Women's Program. Now, Dr. Snyder is also the Director of Women's Health for Family Health Associates and the Postpartum Support International Board of Directors as their research chair. So anything she doesn't do. She's, her mission is to destigmatize mental health issues that affect women during pregnancy and postpartum. And she has been nominated year after year uh, and won for Doctor's Choice Awards. And some of the issues that she covers and, and hopefully we'll touch on today are postpartum depression, infertility and related treatments, miscarriage and stillbirth, menopause, breast cancer, and other gynecological cancers. Welcome, Dr. Snyder. How are you? Thank you. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad that you're here today. And is it okay if I call you Dr. Carly? By all means, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this this show is called Mission Unstoppable, and it's about people who have been unstoppable in their lives, people who have really just, you know, laser focused and, and, and found their calling and somehow got to it. And so like yourself, I like to be holistic in that. And I like to take people back through their lives so that others who are listening uh, and wonder, how could I do that? Or how could I be unstoppable? Can, can see the thread as, as you weave it, because not, you know, it's not obviously all the time we don't always know who we're going to be when we're little kids but sometimes we do so let's let's go there (laughs) did you know who you wanted to be when you were a little kid um I knew that I you know I I think I always wanted to be a physician Mm -hmm. my dad is a physician and I am very close to him I respect him very much and he loves what he does so Growing up, there was always a very positive attitude about medicine and about psychiatry specifically. If you had asked me, you know, as a teenager, are you going to be a psychiatrist? I think I probably would have said I have no idea. Um, But I never questioned that I wanted to be a physician um, and to help people. Nice. That's nice. Did you have, um, like, mom, dad, siblings? Yeah. So I have my, my dad's a psychiatrist. My mom is an attorney. Um, and yeah, 
you know, so I always had a working mom, which mm-hmm. I think was a very important role model for me mm-hmm. because at the same time, the other thing I always wanted to be was a mom. Um, so I didn't have to choose between my passions in terms of being um, working and enjoying what I do and also being, you know, having, I'm lucky enough to have three wonderful kids. But growing up, I never had to question that either because my mom really was a great um, model for me. And then I have two younger brothers who are awesome and uh, are a lot of fun. They're much younger than me. Uh, So it's fun because my kids love to play with them. You know, they're the fun uncles. Oh, that's fun. Well, you know, I have to I have to say and maybe it's because I didn't really have any troubles you know, in that area. Um, but I have never heard of a psychiatrist specializing in what you do. Now, is it because there's very few? Um, well, so yes, we are a, you know, we're a small bunch. Um, you know, the, the community of physicians, psychiatrists specifically who focus on perinatal and reproductive medicine and, and psychiatry, we all know one another because mm-hmm. um, both from a collaborative standpoint and also right. because there aren't that many of us. Yeah. Um, it's sadly a, an area that is only now coming into its own because we know that women suffered for, you know, in history consistently. It's not right. like postpartum depression or depression and anxiety, et cetera, in pregnancy and postpartum are new, but only now are women given the opportunity to get help. And now we also know how to treat them. So we're in a really great inflection point overall because women are increasingly feeling comfortable saying, I'm not okay, Mm -hmm. because they know that they can get help. Now, of course, there's still, you know, incredible stigma and sadly, too many women feel that by disclosing the fact that they're not okay emotionally, either in pregnancy or postpartum or beforehand, frankly, sure. that they're going to be looked down upon or, you know, someone's going to question their ability as a mom. Um, and none of that is true. But, you know, our society has this view that we should be walking with butterflies coming from our feet when we're pregnant and, you know, literally glowing and smiling all the time. And then postpartum, we should just be, you know, within this happy haze of new motherhood. And when reality doesn't fit with that, which frankly, it's pretty hard for reality sure. to fit with that. Um, some women have a very, very difficult time. Well, let's, let's start back there then for a moment, because you just said a mouthful about a whole bunch yes, of stuff. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, you did. And so let, let's go to the pregnancy or even, okay, we'll go, mm-hmm. let's go to Let's take a normal pregnancy is I didn't have any problems getting, you know, pregnant. Um, I'm in my pregnancy. And like you said, uh, I'm supposed to feel amazing. I'm not supposed to feel depressed. I'm not supposed to feel anything other than this glow because I'm going to have a little bundle of joy. It's in the oven and it's cooking. And wow, how, how fun mm-hmm. is that? And yet, you know, I can imagine that if somebody wasn't feeling that, they wouldn't want to say anything because they would be, oh, my gosh, like, that's not normal. I should be like happy to be ha- like, if, if everything is, you know, they're, they're not a, a single mom down on the street kind of thing. Like, you know, they're in the marriage or whatever, and it's expected to be pregnant and it's not going to be a hardship or any of that, those other things. Um, they should, they should be feeling pretty good about life. Right. You know, and 
on one hand, you know, you have women who absolutely feel great, but right. there are definitely women, you know, up to 20% of women who don't. Wow. And that number may even be higher, but as you said, it's pretty hard to disclose because of this feeling of I'm not feeling the way I'm supposed to feel there. And a lot of fear comes out in terms of like, what does this mean about me as a mother? And the answer is mm-hmm. it means nothing about you as a mother. It just means that you're having a hard time. Right. I mean, you've got hormones that are, that are surging, mm-hmm. right? You've got yes. cravings, you've got, you know, like smells that make you want to throw up. Oh, you, God, you know, there's yes. a whole lot of fear around what's it going to feel like? Will I know when I'm in labor? Like what's going to mm-hmm. happen to me? Right. You have all, am I going to have a natural birth? Am I going to have a cesarean? Like what's going to happen? And I can understand, you know, I've got three and I, I'm a mom of twins who had them naturally. So not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> Just by circumstance. And, you know, so I know all of that. And and I, you know, I had um, hypertension in, in like my third, fourth, fifth month. And so I was on bed rest for the rest of it. Like all kinds of stuff is happening to your body that you don't want to happen to your body. Yeah. Uh, you, you're out of control. And and this little thing is is like, you know, for some women, I'm sure it's like alien inside. Mm-hmm. And it's taking it, sucking everything out of them. Absolutely. Look, and it literally is, right? Like yeah. fetuses are little parasites. They take what they need. Um, you know, We love the you. <laughs> we love them, of course, but let's be realistic. I mean, yeah. Especially if a woman is not feeling good, she's much less likely to feel like, for example, going outside and taking a walk. She's not necessarily going to be eating as well mm-hmm. because her appetite may be low. And all of that can translate to feeling even worse. Yeah than if she were feeling like we expect people to. Now, sometimes it is a function of like, you know what? You need to eat better. You need to get more sleep. Let's see how you feel. And sometimes that works. But for some women, it doesn't because it goes deeper than that. Does, and, does time of year have anything to do with it, Carly? Like if I'm pregnant I, in the summer or winter? Like, I think there's, there's a small cohort of people who have, you know, a seasonal affective mm-hmm. component. But I don't think we could say that's the bulk of it. The mm-hmm. only caveat is if someone's vitamin D level is very low, mm-hmm. that can translate to depressed mood. And there are studies that show that if you increase a person's low vitamin D, mm-hmm. a woman's low vitamin D level, it can lower the chance that she will have postpartum depression. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Vitamin D is a good one. Always. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always good. I mean, it's good for your heart. Always, it's good for yeah, everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great for like, and having a low vitamin D is really crappy for multiple reasons as well. Um, but in pregnancy is, you know, that parasite takes the vitamin D along with everything else. So if a woman goes into pregnancy with a low vitamin D, it's not like she's going to come out of it with a higher one. It's going to just be even lower. So, you know, there are things you can do, as you were saying, from like a holistic standpoint to try and maximize your emotional state and feel mm-hmm. as good as possible. But you know, sometimes you can do everything and you still feel bad. Right. Um, and that's when it's a good time, you know, if not sooner to ask for help because it works. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, hey, it works, guys, <laughs> girls, it whatever. Really yeah. Does. So, you know, don't be afraid. You're not alone. Lots of people mm-hmm. feel it. And, you know, all you need to do is ask for help. Now, like you said, there, there's not a big percentage of, of folks out there that, you know, specialize in what you do. In, 
you know, in, in this type of psychiatry, but there, do you do it online? So, oh wait, I'm going to stop you. I'm so sorry. We are going to go to commercial break. Let's, let's keep that one for when we come back. Um, you are listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. My guest today is Dr. Carly Snyder, and she is this thought leader in recognizing psychological trauma that face people in pregnancy and peri before and after <laughs> all in between. Here we go. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. It's Marching offer wonderfully wild and wacky summer foods. From chicken fried bacon in Texas to Minnesota spaghetti and meatballs on a stick. There is something about dining at the fair that can make anyone an opsomaniac or a person who is driven to the point of madness by food. State fairs are famous for their loverwort or food with no nutritional value. The California State Fair boasts fried Krispy Kreme chicken sandwiches. That's fried chicken and Swiss cheese tucked into a Krispy Kreme donut served with a side of honey sauce. At the Iowa State Fair, you can enjoy a hot beef sundae. That's a big scoop of mashed potatoes over roast beef, covered with gravy, sprinkled with cheddar cheese, and garnished with a cherry tomato to look like a sundae. What's another word for messy food? Ma Wella. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. When your focus is to lose weight or maintain your present weight, exercising effectively to burn the most calories is crucial. You want to give yourself every advantage to burn as many calories as possible. One good tip is to do your strength training exercises standing up so you can keep your heart rate up. Another tip is to perform multi-joint exercises when you can. For example, as you're doing a forward lunge, add bicep curls while you're coming up from the lunge. Another example is to execute a wide squat. And as you're coming up from the squat, perform a shoulder press. By doing these multi-joint exercises, you're putting more demands on your body, keeping your heart rate up, and working more muscles at the same time. The goal is to burn the most calories during that workout. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Thanks for sticking around. I am here with Dr. Carly Snyder. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and you are listening to Mission Unstoppable Radio. Just before we went to break, um, I stopped you short. <laughs> and do you remember where we were? No, you remind me the question. I, yeah, you know what? I forget too. So, <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll circle around to it again. I'm sure. But I did have a question about um, about uh, postmenopausal. Now. Is it a syndrome? Is it a depression? Is it both? What is it? So there are some women who during really, it's more perimenopause, Mm -hmm. um, will experience on top of the classic, you know, hot flashes and sweating and all of the stuff that we think of. Mm -hmm. They also will have an emotionally difficult time. Some women feel irritable. Some feel depressed. Some, you know, some feel like their energy is in the toilet and they just don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. Um, There are obviously hormonal aspects to this. There are also 
life aspects, if you think about it in terms of how old a woman is and how old her kids are. Are they leading the nest? Where is she with her relationship? You know, where is she personally? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of psychosocial things that come into play, but clearly there is a, you know, syndrome that is based in part on hormones. Um, and it is, can be very painful. And of course, a woman who has in the past experienced depression or anxiety for any number of reasons, she is more, you know, she's also at risk for experiencing it during this time of hormonal change. And that can be even more difficult, um, depending on her situation. Mm -hmm. So postpartum depression or postpartum emotional, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Um, that's a little more recognized in a way because yes. um, people know about it. However, there are extremes to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like like that woman who you know killed all her kids, and or maybe you're just you know feeling depressed and weepy all day long, and just can't get find your way out of that. There are definitely extremes. I would just caution people to remember that. So if you're feeling, you know, there are different forms. So if, up to ninety percent, maybe you know, 75, 90, whatever, a lot of women in the first two weeks after they have a baby, they're crying for no reason. Right. Right. Um, and that's the baby blues, which is sort of our least severe of all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, I always tell the story that with my first, I had, you know, we, my husband and I did our due diligence as much as we could. And we got this big Britex, uh, car seat. We didn't know that we should have gotten an infant car seat. Like we just didn't read that part of the manual (laughs) and we got to the hot, you know, I'm about to be discharged with this little guy. And they're like, where's your car seat? And my husband's like, ah, it's in the car. They're like, can you bring it to us? And this thing is huge, right? It's it's supposed to go till he's probably 10. Um, And I just remember feeling incredibly crushed that I had screwed up already. Right. I had already gotten the wrong car seat and then put him in, we go home and he's this little person and his little head is flopping back and forth, and I cannot Aww. stop crying. And I'm not a crier overall, yeah. but I remember this feeling of, you know, this indescribable need to cry while also knowing that I really wasn't unhappy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That where I was not feeling down in terms of, like, you know, sad. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that my energy was shot beyond the fact that I just had the baby. I was not overly anxious beyond a normal mom's kind of expected anxiety. I just really needed to cry mm-hmm. and then I was fine. And then I'd cry again and then it got better. And if a woman feels that way and it's really transient and temporary, that's okay. You know, that's a baby blues. And that's because our hormones go from, you know, hundred times what they are baseline by the end of pregnancy. And then they take a big nosedive just about when you're getting discharged from the hospital, like day two or three. And, for many of us, and then your boobs become missiles. Yeah, it's like you know, you've got this big ticking time bomb, and like boom, yeah. and your mood goes with it, and that's okay. In so much that it shouldn't be too painful, and it should really be a short-term thing. If it is really painful or it continues, and especially if it gets worse, that's when we start thinking about: Does this woman have a postpartum depression? Is she experiencing a form of postpartum anxiety? Um, when it comes to something like a woman killing her children, Mm -hmm. um, infanticide does not, is not something we think of as associated with, uh, specifically depression, unless someone has a, you know, such a severe depression that they're in the state of psychosis. Mm -hmm. The most, um, 
women who commit infanticide do so in a sec- in the state of a postpartum psychosis, mm-hmm. which is a situation where they they do not know reality from what they're experiencing. They are not in touch with reality. So they think that they're actually either saving their child or there's, you know, they think that their child has been uh, uh, possessed by a demon, for example, or that they are protecting them from some, you know, life of pain, whatever it is. It doesn't make sense to us. Right. Because it doesn't make sense, period. But they don't know what they're doing as being wrong because they're so profoundly sick. Um, and that's a psychiatric emergency, obviously. If a woman is that sure. sick, because there's a real uh, risk of infanticide and of suicide, you know, four and five percent risk. Now, let me ask you, do you think that, I mean, I know that there was a lot of pressure on me, and that was a long time ago, um, you know, to breastfeed. And when my when my son, my first child, didn't latch on properly, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a loser. I'm not doing this right. And you kept trying, and it hurt so much. And five weeks went by, and finally, after, you know, I tried everything, I'm like, oh, he finally latched on. And it was like, oh, this is a breeze. Like, why didn't I do this earlier? But, you know, getting up to those five weeks, like, I just wanted to kill myself practically. Like, it just hurt so much. So is it is is like, can that kind of pressure add to this? you know, this depression and like all of this. And I remember bringing him home and just going, oh my God, I have to do this every day now. I have to wash mm-hmm. him every day. I have to, it's so much more, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's all so new. But yeah. yes, I think we put an incredible amount of pressure on women to be the perfect mom. And part of that is breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even in the hospital, they'll, you know, it's great they have lactation consultants, but a woman who doesn't want to breastfeed can mm-hmm. sometimes feel very much ashamed that she's less than right yeah. when in reality that's not true all a baby needs is to be fed right people say breast is best but i'm under, under the opinion that fed is best mm-hmm. um yeah because it's so incredibly painful for a woman who is struggling to breastfeed when she can't do it right sometimes it just doesn't work the baby doesn't want to latch as you were talking about and in that scenario, her life becomes very focused on how am I going to get this to work rather than enjoying the time that she is with her baby. And it can be very demoralizing and very literally physically painful, but also just emotionally painful that, you know, why can't I do this right? What does this mean about me as a mom? Yeah. And again, just like earlier, I was saying, it means nothing about you as a mom. It just sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So let's add a, let's add a cesarean into this now, because mm-hmm. someone think, oh, I didn't have a vaginal birth, um, I'm I'm a loser, I do I couldn't do it like other women, and you know the pain. So now you've got additional pain because you got stitches and you've been cut, mm-hmm. um, and you're trying to hold your baby and breastfeed a baby. And you're right, the pain is a huge part. We also have these expectations of what the delivery is supposed to look like, right? Right. So. Um, I have the, you know, the number of women who sit in my office and say, what do you think I'm going to tell my OB about my birth plan, my 10-page birth plan? <laughs> and my answer always is, listen, the birth plan is to have a healthy baby yeah. and to have a healthy mom. If that's the outcome, that's all that, you know, that is the goal, right? Yeah. So if you set it up in advance that if you feel like you're going to have a, if you have a C-section, then all bets are off and you're a failure. Well, you know, you're almost shooting yourself in the foot because you know what, if your baby's okay, 
that's what matters. Obviously, having a C-section is major surgery. Right. And sadly, in our society, we don't take care of moms well after delivery. We don't, you know, we don't have the same um, familial rallying to make sure that mom gets support after baby's born and once baby's home that they do in a lot of other cultures. Yeah. So yeah. women think they have to do it all. They have to be the one who just had major surgery and breastfeed and change every diaper. And, you know, it's on them and have all these hormones. <laughs> yeah. And your hormones are going all over the place and it can be incredibly painful and tough. And you're sitting in a dark room and it's like, why did I do this? Is this ever going to be better? Because this really, really stinks. You know, 30 years ago, I had a child and 30 years ago, I was in the hospital for three days. They gave you a class on how to bathe your child. They came and they showed you how to breastfeed. They showed you how to wrap your baby. My daughter had a baby two years ago. She was out the same day. She had, you know, out the same day, hours later. Oh, you've had your kid. Okay, get out of here. Nothing. They had nothing for them anymore. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And it's like, you know what? There's no, yeah, there's books on the market, but you know what? You don't have that real baby in your hands when you're reading a book, right? Everything is different now that this flesh and blood is sitting in your arms and you feel this huge responsibility for this human being. Sleep, right? Yeah, sleep deprivation. 30 years ago, there was no question that baby was going to be in the nursery. Mm -hmm. Now there's more and more of a push for baby to be with mom in the hospital, right? Yeah. And for some women, that's really great. I'm not taking away from that. But, but when it's your third. They need, right, oh my God, my third, I was like, please. <laughs> Damn. Um, you know, they need that sleep because whether you go through a C-section or you have a vaginal delivery, that is a huge, huge physical endeavor, right? Yeah. And it's we called labor. Yeah, for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And we don't really respect that well in our society. so. so. Yeah, I mean, to kick her out the same day is horrible, but we need to sleep. And if there's one thing that if anyone takes away one thing, it's that you need to sleep. Mm -hmm. If you don't sleep, you're going to feel horrible mood-wise and physically. If you sleep, everything looks a little rosier and a little more doable than the alternative. So I think... You know, now that should be the birth plan, don't you think? Yes. The birth plan is how how you go through your delivery. The birth plan is after how are you going to sleep? Who will come? Mm -hmm. Which of your girlfriends will babysit or do whatever while you can get some sleep? That's that should be number one in the birth plan. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and get family and get whomever. You you know, but you need to sleep because if look, we Guantanamo they kept people awake for days, right, as a form of torture. Yes. This is no different. We women who don't sleep becomes tortured. You know, it it is a terribly painful psychological experience. No one. Now, listen, I have moments. I fondly remember sitting with my babies at two o'clock in the morning and like having these wonderful moments of cuddles. But. Those were, you know, not the predominant time. Exactly. We're going to commercial break. Dr. Carly Snyder has been speaking to you. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso, Mission Unstoppable Radio. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. One third of the population suffers from bad breath. 
several years ago, a New York City doorman was actually suspended from work because people were complaining about his bad breath. Other words for foul-smelling breath are halitosis and ozostomia. So, what are common causes of ozostomia? Coffee is a problem because it's very acidic, and bacteria reproduce faster in an acid environment. Candy and gum contain sugar, which is also a problem because sugar feeds the bacteria that cause bad breath. Alcohol is another culprit. What's another name for cheap wine? Plonk, slip slop, or stinky bus. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It is not a myth that healthy, nutrient-dense foods are more expensive than many junk foods. Researchers at the University of Washington found that healthy foods like lean meats and whole grains have increased nearly 30% in the past four years, while soft drinks and candy have only gone up 15%. Since meat is one of the most expensive items that you purchase at the grocery store, it's a good idea to cut back on meat, especially for health reasons. Filling up on fresh fruit and vegetables is a great way to lose weight, keep healthy, and keep food costs down. Eating beneficial, delicious foods keeps you lean, strong, and in good health. It is possible to eat healthy food and keep costs down. Your goal is to lose weight, not money. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. And we're back. And you know what? We're going to get away from baby stuff for just a moment because I do want to mention that Dr. Carly Snyder is a real woman. She's a mother of three. She's a wife. And she's a marathon runner. She ran the uh, New York City Marathon several times. Last year, she ran the Philadelphia Marathon. And two weeks after that, she ran the New York City Marathon. And this year, she is going to be running in a couple weeks um, in October for the Chicago Marathon. And then she's running the New York marathon again, one month later, like obviously she's very thin. (laughs) (laughs) I like to run. (laughs) You like to run. I like to run. Yeah, it does. You know what? I, I really do think that if I'm in a bad mood and I go for a run, I inevitably come back happier. It's, there's a sense of clarity, you know, and also time by myself. Um, that is really unbeatable. I'm, well, Mother I'm, Teresa I'm, said you can't run, you can't walk fast and be depressed. I think that's true. I've never heard that, but I love that. Yeah, it's really true. And I will say, I can't run indoors. Okay. Um, I, you know, the notion of a treadmill causes me. I, I'd rather not, um, because for me, so much of running is being outside mm-hmm. and the fresh air and just like checking things out. You know. Well, you're in New um, York, so you know it gets yeah. cold. Do you run in the winter? I learned to run I in do. the winter. So I could never run in the summer. Oh, I, I, I mean, I have to train in the summer just by virtue of sure. um, the marathon season being in the fall. But I love running in the winter. Mm-hmm. I think it's so much better. It's, it, you know, there are also fewer people around. Um, 
and the air is crisp. I love running in the winter. So it's here's a mommy awesome. who does it all. You know, she's a doctor, she's a mom, she's a runner. And you were telling me off off air that your two year old goes with you. So yes. you you know, there is life as a mom where you can do the things that you love to do and bring your kids if you have yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you should. I you know, with the small caveat that, you know, so my, my two year old and I, she'll come in the running stroller and it's super fun. We go and look for horses in Central Park. It's really great. Mm-hmm. I would be hard pressed to say that they're my best workouts. Right. Um, but it's okay because I'm not doing it for that purpose. She's just, you know, I love seeing things through her eyes. And yeah. as my third, I feel like it's my last opportunity. Um, but I also think the flip side is that for me, when I go out for a real run, I'm going by myself. And, you know, if there's some real need, I'll pick up my phone. But in general, that's my time. Yeah. And it is, I think, important for women to find whatever their passion is, right? It doesn't have to be running or it could be some form of art or whatever it is that you really like to do and do it by, you know, do it with friends, do it by yourself. You don't, you know, you don't lose yourself as a woman by virtue of being a mom. And I think a lot of new moms forget that. And it, really helps to come back to whatever it is you like to do and allow yourself to do it without guilt. You know, I'm going to go back to the very beginning of the show when we were talking about your mom and dad, Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they were professionals and your mom was a professional and she had, you know, her three kids and she did, you know, she ran her house and and you obviously are healthy and, 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 you know, educated and the whole bit, but, where was I going with this point? It was a really good point, Carly. Come on now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, It'll come. It, I hope so. Gosh, it, it's hard getting old. But yeah, so, you know, she had it all, but um, I was going to go to the, in, into the world of infertility, I think. But yeah. I will say, though, even before we go there, the one yeah. thing I would totally disclose is I vividly remember sitting with my grandma and complaining that my mom worked. Right. Why couldn't she come to every whatever? Right. And my grandmother was very prophetic. And she said, listen, she didn't hold any punches, by the way. Um, And she said to me, look, I was home. I didn't work. And my kids were always really annoyed that I was there too much. And, you know, they didn't want me to be there all the time. You're telling me that your mom is not there enough. Well, you know what? You have to just sort of accept it because there's no perfect mom. And. You have to be the mom you want to be in the future, and you have to let your mom be the mom she is now. And I thought that was pretty good, good advice. advice. Stuck with Very me. Very good yeah. advice. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. People are, are maybe we're hearing more about infertility now than, than we ever heard before. Um, maybe because everybody used to think it was a very personal thing. You don't talk about what happens, mm-hmm. you know, in the bedroom or, or outside of the bedroom. I don't know. Um, but what is it? I mean, what is what is going on now? I know of of a number of women who tried to get pregnant their whole lives, couldn't get pregnant. One went to see a Chinese, you know, doctor Chinese medicine. The other went to see um, a nutritionist, and they both got pregnant right away after years and years and years of not using anything. So, is it is it our diet? Is it mental? Is it a combination? You know, there's no one answer for any one person. There are lots of causes for infertility. I will say that, you know, there are some women who have hormonal issues, right? And they can be identified by a a physician looking for it. And they can 
be given certain meds and then boom, they're pregnant. There are some people who try forever and turns out it's their partner who had a sperm issue, right? There was mm-hmm. whatever it was, right? The count was low or there was morphology, whatever. There are some women who, like you said, you know, they go and get acupuncture and that helps on multiple levels and they're pregnant. There are some mm-hmm. people whose diet, frankly, needs to change. And what tends to happen is if you're changing your diet to a healthier one, you're probably living your life in a healthier way also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe you're exercising more. Maybe you're taking prenatal vitamins. Who knows, right? But a clean, healthy lifestyle can hurt by any right. stretch of the imagination. But I do think that anyone who's going to sell you pregnancy because of a solely because of like a dietary change, sure, isn't really being fair to the process because it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it is a big, I mean, I don't know, unfor- you know, fortunately, because I was kind of point and shoot. But <laughs> That's lucky. Yeah, that was pretty lucky. Maybe, you know, I know where I was going, though, with your parents. Um, when you have children, oftentimes, you know, marriages suffer. And it seems, you know, counterintuitive in a way, because like you've, everybody's looking forward to this little bundle of joy. However, you know, now the mom's whole attention is on is on this baby and dad's feeling a little bit left out. Uh, and maybe he's an, a hands-on dad, you know, I don't know. But I, even in my own marriage, I mean, I noticed that, that so much has left, you know, spontaneity, um, just, you know, doing what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it, all of that kind of stuff. So what is your advice to women? And I'm sure you, you talk about this with them at some point, husband and wife, about how how to get past, you know, maybe the jealousy or the... Um, just just a different relationship you're going to have in the future? It's a great question um, because I think it really, there isn't a marriage that isn't going to be somehow affected by a child. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it has to be negatively affected, but it's affected, right? And as you said, you know, when you don't have kids, you can go out spontaneously and say, hey, you know what, let's go out for dinner tonight. It's, you know, let's, I'm going to be home late, but whatever, we'll go out for a late dinner. Mm-hmm. And you can relax with one another and it's much easier, right? I mean, it it just is easier to kind of get on the same wavelength. When you have kids, that 9 p.m. dinner is not so easy for most of us. Yeah. Um, And we're tired. And, you know, unless both people are completely, you know, share all responsibilities equally, then one person probably has some level of, you know, resentment if it's a bad day. The other person may resent that they don't get to see the kids as much. You know, there's so much going back and forth. So what I tend, what I recommend for women, and I actually even, I wrote a HuffPost piece about this recently, is pre-plan. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you're pregnant, ideally, or when the baby comes, you know, plan on date nights. It's really easy not to connect anymore. It's mm-hmm. easy to find yourself having gone months without seeing one another as adults rather than as parents. Sure. And, you know, some people say like a dad is sexy, but in reality, like, you know, it's not always the sexiest role. Yeah. Um, You really, you know, so go out, plan on date nights and find someone to watch your baby, whether it's family, friends, or someone you hire as early as you can and really make it a staple in your schedule, not something that you'll hopefully get to at some point. And don't talk about your kid all night. Yeah, that's the second part. <laughs> Do not talk about it because it's so easy to, right? Yeah, like, yeah. What, but you guys liked each other before. 
you found mm-hmm. each other interesting mm-hmm. without a kid. So there's got to be something else there. Find it and talk about that, right? Talk about your day without the component of irritation about whatever, but just talk about something related to life that transcends parenthood. Yes. Yeah, you have to. You have to really get involved somewhere. You have to put, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you have to find a way to connect to the rest of the world um, Mm -hmm. and and have something to speak to your husband about and vice versa. Because if you don't have conversation other than your child, then, you know, you've got nothing. You're going to grow apart as the future, you know. You can just see that that chasm widen um, because there's nothing interesting about you anymore. And I also, I always recommend, and I really strongly stress to my patients, like, don't get obsessive about what you look like, mm-hmm. right? Everybody gains weight in pregnancy, sure. and we all have to lose it at some point. Well, and some of us lose more than others, but and some don't our lose partners, all. right? <laughs> yeah, but our partners don't see us the way we see ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So when we look in the mirror, especially postpartum, it's like, oh, my God, where did that bulge come from? I thought I already had the kid. Why does my belly still look this way? You know, my boobs are down to my knees, whatever it is, right? Yeah. They don't see us that way. So if, you know, we go into a date night, for example, feeling really negative about our parents and focusing on that negativity, well, it probably won't be as great a date night. Yeah. You go into it thinking like, you know what? I'm a rock star. I just had a baby and my body did this incredible thing, which is what they see. Right. Right. You, you lose confidence and that's way sexier and way more interesting than a woman who feels really self-conscious. We all feel self-conscious, right? We all feel that way, like realistically, but we don't all have to like- Point it out. (laughs) Right, and like live in that negativity. Yeah. You know, it'll, you'll lose the weight. It's okay. And that, it doesn't matter. It's really secondary. I had 14 pounds of baby, got on the scale and lost three pounds. I go, how is that even a possible? How is that possible? I always tell everyone, like, I'm a small person, and I gained with each pregnancy 50 pounds yeah. every single time, and it did not matter. My third was a preemie. The week before she came, I called my OB, and I was like, I think she's coming early. She was like, nah, you're wrong. I was like, really? I'm telling you, my scale is just inching up real fast. Yeah. And the day before she was born, I was at the OB's, and she was like, oh, my God, you've gained 50 pounds. I was like, I'm telling you, this kid is coming any day now. Wow. And she was born early. But I knew it because my body, that is what my body likes to do. And then, you know, the first, after my first, I was definitely like, where, what is this extra weight? And I, it fell off over time. It did not happen in five That's minutes. a great spot to go to a commercial. <laughs> it will go. Great. Stay with go. us. We'll talk about this some more when we get back with Dr. Carly Snyder. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's March, you never heard. So last 
night, my husband was laughing as he was reading about the differences between men and women. According to the article, men get single tusks or hiccups more often than women. Everyone knows that women are better at multitasking than men. I'm good at both multitasking and procrastinating, which means right now there are 28 things that I'm putting off until later. What's another word for a person who puts everything off until the last minute? A cunctator. Women blink nearly twice as much as men. And while men can read smaller print than women, women can hear better. In fact, when a woman says, what? She heard you. She's just giving you a chance to change what you said. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. And I'm here with Dr. Carly Snyder. It's Mission Unstoppable Radio. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. Thanks for joining us today. Carly, what is what is the number one reason people come to see you? Mm-hmm. The number one reason is anxiety. Okay. Anxiety is under you know, underscores so much of what my patients experience. Mm-hmm. And it can be so painful and functionally debilitating that that tends to be what drives them in. Um, you know, I see women, the bulk of my pa- patients are either trying to get pregnant, either on their own or in fertility treatments. Mm-hmm. They're pregnant or they're postpartum. And then some of my patients are moms who kind of are not feeling like the experience of motherhood is what they anticipated. Um, but anxiety tends to be the core experience for most of these women not everybody some people are depressed sure some people have both anxiety is a big one do you see them as couples or individuals or both um primarily as individuals if you know i always encourage partners to come in mm-hmm. um mostly you know if there's a question so that they hear whatever uh, discussion is from me directly rather than mm-hmm. secondhand if but at the same time, I'm a very big believer that a woman should have her own autonomy, right? Mm-hmm. Just because she's pregnant doesn't mean that she lost the option to make medical choices have a for brain. herself. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if she wants her partner to come in, by all means, I'd love to meet him or her. But right. if she doesn't, that's her choice also. There was um, on your blog on the Huffington Post, and I can't remember. Sorry, I can't remember her name. But she, it was, it was. There was a doctor, and she was talking about um, why. Or no, she was a guest on your radio show, I think. Um, and she suffered from postpartum, and and she was checked into a facility. So I'm wondering, how many people, or how severe does it need to be in order to be checked into a facility for postpartum? Um, I think it has to be pretty severe, in so much that, you know we don't want to separate a mother from her baby. Sure. There are very few mother baby units in the country. There are some, but they're mm-hmm. few and far between. So to, you know, it, the first few weeks and months, days even are really critical in terms of bonding. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can avoid admitting a woman, I will. That being said, if she is suicidal, mm-hmm. if she's psychotic, like we talked about earlier, sure. if she feels that she's literally unable to function and cannot is so overwhelmed to a point where she just cannot get out of bed. Well, that really requires 
inpatient admission, both for her safety, for the baby's safety, and because she's going to feel better faster if she has really acute care and treatment. And, you know, you can titrate medications much faster. You have a lot more eyes on her to help her through the process. But, you know, admitting someone is definitely not, um, not done lightly. Yeah. And I can just imagine, I mean, that comes with a whole bunch of other, you know, problems. I mean, you've got, okay, so you've got this depression. Now you're going to feel guilty that you didn't stay with your child. You're going to feel guilty that you can't breastfeed your child because you're on medication. Now you're going to feel so much guilt about so many things that the initial depression is almost, could come secondary even. Yeah. I mean, I would say uh, the medications that we use, I'd say 99% of them, if not, let's say 99 are compatible with breastfeeding. Oh, that's good. So at least that component of guilt can be put aside. But there's an immense amount of guilt that comes with motherhood in general. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't go as planned, the guilt can just become a mountain. Uh, And there's no benefit to guilt, right? Unless, what I always tell my patients, if you did something wrong and you feel guilt about it and you can correct it, okay, great, feel guilt Mm -hmm. and then make it better. But none of this, you know, nothing that we're talking about is something a woman did wrong, nor is it something that she can, you know, repent over because she didn't do anything worthy of, you know, feeling that way. All she can do is feel as good as possible by virtue of asking for help, right? She has to just accept that she can't do it alone and that's okay, that there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing um, that doesn't mean anything about her as a mother or as a person. It's just as if, you know, she had high blood pressure and needed blood pressure medication. Well, then we would say, okay, she needs medication. That's it. We have to think about it in the same way. This is still a medical illness. I, I want to put this into perspective are. for a moment because you wrote, um, according to the CDC, and we're talking about postpartum depression here. According to the CDC, more women will suffer from postpartum depression and related illnesses this year, then combined number of new cases for men and women of tuberculosis, leukemia, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and epilepsy. So mm-hmm. combined, all of those don't even equal how many women are going to suffer from postpartum. This is a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And, you know, it's a huge deal and it can be both treated and destigmatized. What about the, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, no I was ahead. just I was just thinking about the because there's a whole but new crop of women who don't want kids. Mm-hmm. You know, these new couples are oh we don't want kids like you know they're right. gonna disrupt our lives, my body, my everything. So are women like in your practice still having kids? Like, do you think the trend oh, is yeah. still to have kids? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I have one or two patients who don't want kids and they've never wanted children, and that's absolutely fine. Sure. But the you know vast 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 majority of my patients desperately want children and even in their darkest moment, adore the children that they have. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's some misconception that women who suffer from what we call perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, it kind of mm-hmm. encompasses all of this, that they don't love their kids or don't want to be mothers. And that's just not true at all. They adore their kids. You know, they're very thankful for the fact that they're mothers, but they are suffering at the same time. It's hard to be a woman, isn't it? I yeah. mean, like... They, all stages of our lives, there's something going on. 
you know, mm-hmm. like you get your period or then, you know, you, you get pregnant and then you go through perimenopause and then you have menopause and menopause for me has lasted 20 years. I think, you know, like when's it going to end the stupid thing? Like really it's, it's just always something. And don't forget PMS and, and PMS. You know? Yeah. Like, but you know, I, you're totally right. The only flip side is that I think being a mom is the greatest gift, right? Oh yeah. Dads, by all means, you know, not minimizing dad's role, but yeah, I think being a mom is such a gift. So I'll take it all. Yeah. You know, I haven't gone through, I can't speak for perimenopause and menopause yeah. yet. Maybe I'll <laughs> change my tune, but I can say that I think that we are so lucky to have the opportunity if we want it. Right. Some yeah. people don't, but yeah. Yeah. Those of us who do. But there was a line in a movie, you know, the guy said, let me to his son, he goes, let me just tell you something about women. He goes, the weather's never right. <laughs> because <laughs> you're right. cold or you're hot you're uh, cold and hot all the yes. time like you don't know what you're going to be in the next five minutes like your body is just a traitor all the time mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but, but it, it also does some of the coolest stuff for it us, does right? yeah so, there's nothing like having a kid nothing like having yeah. a baby yeah absolutely wow. and for those you know and there's nothing wrong with adopting a child you're still a mom no like you know we're not even saying that so yeah. i mean and it's it is actually important to say you know more and more people are using surrogates um yeah gestational carrier, et cetera, you know, that there are other ways to go by, you know, having a child, also adoption, of course, and people who express anxiety about it, I just say, look, the minute they give you that baby, that baby's yours. It doesn't matter where the baby grew. It doesn't matter the genes. That baby is yours, your mom. So that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there's no right, wrong, because really, like, there was no book that came with for for most of us to, how to be a parent you know there's books that say how to be a parent but nah, they don't know they don't have your kids they don't know no. <laughs> they don't have your and kids they, right well that's such a good point they don't have your kids and they're not you yeah right i remember people who say you're going out with all those kids i'm like what am i gonna stay home with them mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm going out with all my kids right. Yeah. right you have to you have to live your life like dr carly takes them on a run you know you gotta do yeah. it and if you don't live your life then you're gonna turn around and not enjoy what you have yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you are doing a wonderful service for so many people. We've only got maybe like four minutes left. Um, is there something that you want to make sure that we get, let's get your website out. Tell people oh. how to get in touch with you, please. So my website is Carly Snyder, MD.com. So it's my name, C A R L Y S N Y D E R M D.com. And then from my website, you can find my Huffington post articles. You can find, my radio show, all of that. And there are also links to um, other resources for women who may be looking for it. Also, postpartum.net is a great resource. Um, mm-hmm. Throwing that one out there. That's from PSI, Postpartum Support International. So any woman out there who is in need of help, that is your first stop, postpartum.net. And PSI can help you find a provider in your area who can help. Like, would, would you say that there's um, a doctor like yourself um, in one in every state, maybe? Or is there less than that? You know, it depends on what state we're talking about. You okay. know, in, if you're in the major metropolitan areas, maybe. Mm-hmm. But in more rural areas, not so much. Yeah, probably not so much. So what, what would women do who are listening to this? you know, around the world, even they will be, uh, what can they do to, you know, get healthy when they know that they need help? So if you need help, ask for it, 
right? First go to your first MD go or to your doctor. Well, go to your if you have an your OBGYN, mm-hmm. your internist, a psychiatrist, a general psychiatrist, even and talk to them about what you're experiencing. And you know, therapy can be phenomenally helpful, mm-hmm. incredibly beneficial. Lifestyle changes can really help on top of therapy. Um, and being open and honest with the people you love and saying, look, I'm having a hard time. Like I need, I need more support, right? Getting, allowing people to help you to take some of the burden off of you can also really make life more tolerable. But as I said, postpartum.net in PSI is around the world. So we have coordinators Mm. in every, you know, in God knows how many countries, many, 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 every state. Um, and those coordinators can help any woman find a provider that is hopefully close enough to her. And if not, we also have online support groups. I've got one more find. really quick question because we yeah. only got less than two minutes. What do you think about this trend to have a doula and that it's almost a stigma to go to the hospital and have your child? I think that having a midwife or a doula in the hospital is phenomenal. For me, I think the closer you are to a hospital, the better because things happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can't you can't always predict. Yeah. So you can have a really holistic, beautiful, beautiful uh, hospital based birth that right. if worst case scenario, the NICU is right there and your baby's OK. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I think that that sounds the best. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. And I don't think that there's any any reason to feel that uh, you're doing a disservice to yourself or your family or your experience to have it in a hospital. No, not at all. I mean, it's nice to have a midwife because, you know, yeah. uh, usually there's a group of doctors who, who are your OBGYN and you don't know who you're going to get. So it's nice to have mm-hmm. a familiar face down there, yeah. I guess. Right? And they can be really supportive on lots of levels. Yeah. But in the hospital, if you ask me, and obviously there's a lot of disagreement on this, but I think in the hospital is the safest way to go. I, I'm going to agree with that. Dr. Carly Snyder, you are an amazing woman. Thank you so much for being on my show today. Thank you. I've really, really enjoyed it so much. Oh, good. And we will see each and every one of you next week for another Mission Unstoppable. Don't stop. Don't stop. When the chips were down, they didn't stop. Stories of people who, when the odds were against them, turned defeat into victory. You've been listening to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. See you next time. And always remember, don't, 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 don't stop.